Welcome to Graduating Grief, a podcast designed to help you step back into living your life with joy after loss. If you're ready to move from surviving to thriving, you've come to the right place. Here's your host and inspirationista, Sherry Dunlevy. Grief doesn't always have to surround death. Sometimes you are grieving the person you once were or the health that you once had and how you maneuver through that diagnosis to guide yourself towards healing in some manner, whether it is emotionally, physically, mentally. Uh, Our guest today is someone who was able to do just that and has some wonderful tools to help guide us. Should you be grieving a diagnosis? or love someone who has recently been diagnosed with something. Catherine Canoplo is my guest today. She is a breast cancer survivor. Catherine, thank you very much for for joining me today. Thank you so much, Sherry. It's so great to talk with you today. So your business is called Inspired Vitality. And now as a result of what you've been through, you help coach other people through their diagnosis as well. So that's a wonderful thing, but let's start back at the beginning. How long ago was this and how did this occur? I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer five years and nine months ago. I was 46 years old and I went for an annual checkup. Mm -hmm. My doctor found a lump in my breast, which that then she sent me for diagnostic testing. I then went for a diagnostic mammogram and ultrasound. And the, during the diagnostic or after the diagnostic mammogram and ultrasound, a radiologist came in to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And that at that point, he had a look on his face that told me this was very, very concerning. Mm-hmm. And of course, a lot of times doctors don't wanna actually say that. They don't wanna confirm anything before tests confirm. But he said, there was an area of concern in my breast and my lymph nodes and that I needed to have a biopsy. I then waited five days for the biopsy. And it was at that point that the doctor told me the tissue did not look like normal breast tissue. And she told me the results would take one to three days, but it was the very next day that I received a call from a nurse that I didn't know telling me that I did in fact have breast cancer in both my breast and my lymph nodes. In both your breasts? In my breast and my lymph nodes under the arm. Okay. So not in both my breasts, but in- Okay. Oh, okay. I get what you're saying. So um, this was done by a phone call, not even bringing you into the office. So you had no, you were alone with this information, correct? I was alone. I remember still to this day exactly where I was standing, exactly what I was doing when I got that call. It was a nurse from the breast center. And my understanding is their role is to coordinate when somebody has a diagnosis. So she called me, she gave me what little pathology they 
had at that point explained because there are different types of breast cancer. So she kind of gave me a little bit of information about what my type of breast cancer was. And she then started setting up appointments or wanted to set up appointments. The funny thing was, is that I uh, had already researched some doctors because in that time between my diagnostic mammogram and ultrasound and the biopsy, mm -hmm. I felt like I needed a little bit of control in a situation that felt so un completely under control. Mm -hmm. I saw the look on the doctor's face and I was very concerned. Mm -hmm. And proactively, I wanted to choose a doctor that I felt like I could relate to and have a good relationship with if in fact I had cancer. So I talked to a couple of people that I knew had had breast cancer that were local and got their doctor recommendations. And I looked at doctors within my network. And so when that nurse called me, I said, this is who I want for an oncologist and this is who I want for a surgeon. And that began the process of setting up appointments and further testing. So, but, but was she, so did she, was it unbeknownst to her that she was revealing to you the news? Did she not know that, that she was giving you that news for the first time? Is that, was that the usual course of how it works? It is, it is. And yes, she did know because, but however, she clearly had communicated with the doctor who had done the biopsy, mm -hmm. who had then, the, the doctor who did the biopsy said, this does not look like normal breast tissue. Mm -hmm. And when the nurse called me, I remember she said, I think, you know, you have breast cancer. And so, yes, it was really strange. I, I felt like it should have been my doctor calling. Mm -hmm. But wow. I see that this person's role is to do that. Right. And um, so when you got that diagnosis, you, so you had that control um what was what was going through your head and what you know what what was overtaking your thoughts and emotions at that time my my first thoughts and well thoughts were i'm in function mode for me it was okay what do i need to do to get healthy what do i need to do to to live I, I really became in function mode mm -hmm. and what are my next steps? What do I need to do? The emotions that came over me was complete fear. And that was compounded by the fact that I have two children who have special needs and I know they may never live independently. And knowing that just compounded those fears of what about my kids? What am I going to do? Mm -hmm. There's that underlying fear of who's going to care for them if I can't take care of this cancer. Right. So that had to be a, a great fear. So tell me, obviously you're, you're here five mm -hmm. years, nine months outside yeah. of this diagnosis. You appear yeah. to be happy and healthy and now uh, using this, uh, what this diagnosis of uh, what happened to you to help other women through uh, similar things. 
So how did you get through that fear to where you are today? That was hard. It was really hard. I can't say that I accomplished it in a very quick manner. (laughs) I, I functioned for years. I ended up having a double mastectomy. I went through five months of chemo and six weeks of radiation. I chose to have delayed reconstruction. So my healing process really covered years. Mm -hmm. And it was, I believe the summer of 2016. So I was diagnosed in March of 2015. And it was the summer of 2016 when I was still going through reconstruction and I was still really, really scared. Mm -hmm. And I remember a moment when I was sitting on my bed and I was on a online community. I was, it's breastcancer.org and I was communicating with other breast cancer patients and, and just in that community of support. And I was just so scared about the recurrence Mm -hmm. and not able to move forward. I still felt really stuck and not moving. I was doing the the physical healing, but I wasn't doing the emotional healing. And I remember sitting there and reading something by another breast cancer patient. And it just felt like a rope being tossed to me in quicksand. Mm -hmm. And she said, I don't want to live, look back decades from now and realize I'd lived that entire time in fear. And that resonated with me. And I realized that I needed to snap out of it mm-hmm. and I needed to start living. And that the fear was still going to be there, but I needed to at least start moving forward and living because I didn't want to be that person right. who looked back and thought, wow, I was so scared that entire time that I didn't do anything with my life. Right. And, you know, that's, um, you know, or if you translate that into, you know, loss as far as death, that I lived this whole time, um, you know, in deep sadness and pain. You right. Know? but it, you just didn't want that to be you. So, you know, that's the whole point of this podcast, graduating grief, okay? Uh, graduating the pain or fear and stepping into living life on purpose with passion and joy so you can make an impact, which is exactly what you're doing. But so you decided that's not how you wanted to live anymore. So what were some of the steps that you took to step back into living and experiencing mm-hmm. joy again. Right. And there, there is a lot of grief too. Right. With any diagnosis. And right. for me, the grief of you know, losing the body that I knew all my life. Right. Right. And, and the grief of lo- losing relationships throughout this process. And I, for me, part of my part of moving forward was learning what I could do for my own health and then going forward and helping others do the same. And I think it's important to help others to heal yourself 
I developed a system that I call my ABLE system. Mm-hmm. And that acronym stands for acknowledge, breathe, listen, and execute. Mm-hmm. And it is acknowledging how you feel. I think that's really, really important to identify our emotions. We need to listen to our heart and soul and figure out what it is that we need. So for me, it was acknowledging that grief of losing my body. It was acknowledging my fear of recurrence, listening to my heart and soul and figuring it out. I needed to take steps for my own health and be proactive to ensure or do everything I can at least Mm -hmm. that I was going to be healthy and breathe prior to, you know, listening, the breathing helps to just like center yourself, right? Listen to you and figure out what you need and then put it into action. And for me, that was going back to school and studying with the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and learning more about what I can do, not just with my studies, but on my own, learning what I can do for my own health Mm -hmm. and knowing that I'm doing something. Mm -hmm. And so going through that instinctually and going forward and helping other people and also learning that we can be in that pain and we can be in that grief and we can be in that fear and still have joy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And throughout this whole process, I was also really close to a friend who was stage four and had the same disease that I had and was dying. And I discovered that sending her jokes or or funny videos and, and really understanding that we can have this, this pain and sorrow coinciding with joy at the same time that they're not independent. Right. Right. And I, you know, I think that's why I do the work that I do that to help someone. And if you can help you know, everybody has their own journey, right? Everybody has their own journey. They have to go through it the way that's best for them. But if you can take a little bit of time off of that, that journey to provide them a little more uh, joy in living, a little more um, meaning to their living, you know, that is that that's what it's all about. You know, we're here to to help one another. So I love that. So I want to go back a little bit to your children. okay? because you were worried about, you know, who's going to be here to take care of our children. Did this help you to prioritize now uh, to make those arrangements? Should it not? turn out the way that you want because sometimes a diagnosis like this says let's get let's take care of business now let's 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 you know i try to tell people come up with the game plan so that at least it eases your your mind you know that that thought isn't ruminating and that fear isn't brewing if you can take it out of your mind put it on paper make a plan for it make a game plan for it it kind of relieves that anxiety did you were you able to do that 
Yes, I had previously, I had already previously created a will. Mm -hmm. I had previously set up some things for them. Mm -hmm. But of course, at that time, I'm thinking about more, I was more actively thinking about, okay, if this should happen, then what? And yeah, but honestly, that is a really hard thing to accomplish in the moment. Right. In particular, when you are physically not well. Right. And for me, when I was going through chemo, it was all I could do to take care of their daily needs. I would get up and I would shower and I'd lay down for a bit. And then I would give people breakfast and maybe lay down for a bit or get dressed and lay down for a bit. It was there not constantly, but there were days following the chemo treatment when that's all I could do is just take care of the daily needs. And my whole intent at the very beginning, when I was diagnosed, I said to myself, my two goals are to get healthy and keep things as normal as possible for my children in the process. That was, and I just kept that in my mind the entire time. I like that because I think that if you do set a couple of goals at the beginning, and if you keep to those two or three or whatever, one even, Mm -hmm. that you can say to yourself, I set these parameters. I did this my way. I accomplished it. I got through it the best I can, right? Right. And some days were better than others, but you look on the other end and you go, I did that. And it sounds like you were able to do that. I think I was really good at setting boundaries. And I think setting boundaries around yourself when you're going through something, whether it's the death of a loved one or a serious diagnosis, Mm -hmm. setting those boundaries and knowing what is going to be best for you. It's a really good time to be selfish when you're in it. And I think, and, and not selfish in terms of not being kind and considerate to others, but selfish right. in terms of setting those healthy boundaries. There were times- Tell me a couple of some of your, of your healthy boundaries that you set for yourself. So I remember one person in particular, when I told them I was diagnosed and I said, well, I'm gonna set up a caring bridge page. And for people that don't know, that's an online journal mm-hmm. that you can update your loved ones when you have a significant life event going on. And I said, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to set up a caring bridge page and you can follow that for updates. And this person said to me, well, that's not enough. I, I need to be able to talk to you. And I said, this isn't about you. And that was my boundary is, I am doing the best that I can through this really, really hard time. And it's important to me to to focus on my health and what I need to do for my health and focus on my children. That's what I need to do. So it helped you prioritize the import, what was important at this time to get you through. Right. And that's something that we all need to take a look at. So that's a that's a very good a very good point and a very good tool that people 
um, any kind of grief that they're going through is, you know, take a look at what is most important. And sometimes, you know, it just drills it down. These kinds of things in life, just drill it down to what are the most important things that I need to do in this moment, in this hour, in this day. Right. And it doesn't mean that the next day you might not feel, you know, the next day right, you, right. you might feel, I, I need this person. I need to, and it's not to dismiss their feelings. Right. But when you are in this significant life event, mm -hmm. I think it's important to communicate. And that's the whole thing. It's a, it's a matter of communicating with your loved ones and those that matter to you. What is it that you need to, and, and what do, what is it that they can do to support you? And the communication is a big thing because if you don't communicate what you need to get through this significant event, they're not going to know. Right. You can't expect them to just know. Right. These are, well, that's what I keep telling people is we have to get comfortable talking about these things and we have to extend grace to one another and we have to communicate. No one wants to talk about these things. And as a result, that's why they're awkward conversations. If we would just talk about these things, the conversation would flow. So you have to get into that space where you get used to talking about it. It might be uncomfortable at first, but it, it, it becomes easier the more you practice. So let me get back to what you are doing now to help others. What is Inspired Vitality? Thank you. Yes, Inspired Vitality. I am a speaker and a holistic health coach. And I do specialize in supporting people who have been diagnosed with cancer. I do that through individual coaching who, and, and I provide resources and practical tips and that emotional comfort that my clients love the fact that I'm familiar with the disease and yet I'm outside of the family dynamics. Mm -hmm. And some of the resources uh, for one client, for example, she was struggling financially, she was single. So I researched particular grants that would be helpful to her. Mm -hmm. Or it might be practical tips talking about what I found helpful for my nausea or what I found helpful for other side effect management. Not that I'm a, a doctor or a nurse, mm -hmm. but I can share my experience and give tools to help the client. Uh, maybe it's talking about recipes of, for example, smoothies to incorporate nutrition if you don't feel like eating yet ways to get some nutrition in during that challenging time. Mm -hmm. That sounds wonderful. So you have something that you'd like to give to our listeners. Tell us about that. Yes. So I have a new resource guide and it is now available on my website mm -hmm. for download. It The website is inspiredvitality.life. And the resource guide, I'm going to just show a picture here. It is ABLE, the four-step strategy taking you from pain, grief, and fear to living. And so it talks a little bit about, well, actually it goes more in depth to the ABLE steps that I talked about mm -hmm. and uh, some other strategies to help you move from that pain and that grief and that fear 
to feeling more joy and living more fully. All right. Well, Catherine, thank you very much for what you're doing to help uh, bring healing to so many others. It's been a delight uh, for you to be on this podcast and to offer another tool, as I say, to put in our graduating grief tool belt. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much, Sherry. I so appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to the Graduating Grief Podcast. For more information on the Graduating Grief community, workshops, and retreats, go to www.sherrydunlevy.com. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, and share.